Welcome to Rock Recovery with Jane Gordon. Join us as we talk with a star-studded lineup of rock musicians, performance artists, and the ones who love them as they share their unique and memorable journeys through addiction, redemption, and reawakening. Here, we explore true stories of addiction, healing, and recovery from the pantheon of rock music and beyond. And now, your host for Rock Recovery, Jane Gordon. Well, hello and welcome to Rock Recovery. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring and bringing hope through the personal stories of rock and roll's greatest legends. And as always, this show is dedicated to my beloved son and my personal rock star, Spencer, who I lost to alcohol addiction at 28 years old. And today I would also like to dedicate this show to the memory of one of his dear friends and mine as well, Brandy Crowder, who sadly we recently lost a few weeks ago. And it's dedicated to all of you out there who are struggling with addiction or know someone who is. Uh, She mattered, he mattered, and so do you. And, well, I'm so excited about my guest this week. He is no stranger to the art of backing up legendary artists. He has righteously acquired the title of Deluxe Sideman by providing his straightforward, no-nonsense, rock-solid, thunderous grooves for the who's who in the music business. And you know these names, Slash, Walter Trout, Ace Freely, Don Felder, Steve Winwood, Richie Sambora. These are just a few. But with success, always, in this world come parties, hangovers, and blackouts. And he knew he had to change or he would die. Thanks to the true friends that he has and the help of a wonderful organization that we'll talk about in a bit, Music Cares, He overcame addiction and freed himself from the grips of drugs and alcohol, and he continues to pay it forward with his passion project, Unchained Brands. Johnny Graparek, we are honored and blessed to have you on today's podcast. Thank you for joining us all the way from Sweden. How are you? Wow. I'm very good, thank you. Wow, what an intro. (laughs) It's going to be tough to live live up to, but... No, I'll do my best. Oh, I, d- I doubt that. Boy, we've heard so much about you. And, you know, you have been a part of the who's who in music. Tell me your story and tell us all the story of how you got started. And I know you ended up in L.A. in the 90s. And how did you jump into that fast lane of rock and roll? Well, I started in Sweden. I grew up in Sweden in a small town. Uh, not much to do, you know, but, you know, play sports or music or you know, just hanging out. And uh, so growing up already then, I started dabbling in what would later be a full-blown addiction to drugs and alcohol. You know, at that, you know, at an early age, you know, huffing gasoline, huffing glue, all that nonsense. And, uh, from 15, 16, I got really serious about music. I played my whole life since I was about five or six. I think I started with, you know, a nylon string picking, you know, one note per string, you know, just having fun. Uh, but about 15, 16, I was going to get serious. And uh, a friend suggested, you know, why don't we move to L.A.? You know, everybody's there. So... It was really no thought, no no grand plan. It was okay. Let's do it. He of course chickened out. <laughs> I thought I'd already bought my ticket, <laughs> so 
I went on my own. You know, like my mom told me, go, you can always come home. And so that's how my journey started in getting to L.A. And then, you know, slowly, you know, you get to know people and, and one gig leads to another. And, you know, that's how it is. No, no mystery there. Wow. And so after you arrived and you started, obviously, connecting to other musicians, how fast yeah. was that success for you? And then in, in retrospect, how did that amplify your drug and alcohol abuse? Well, I, I mean, I, I, all my life I suffered from debilitating shyness and insecurity. And, and so coming from a small town and living in L.A., it's like it was more than fake until you make it, which it's easy if, if it's in you, but it wasn't in me. So alcohol and drugs helped me fake it. And, and so that part started early on, you know, not getting hammered, but never really sober. Uh, and in the 90s, there was so much work. It was so great to be in Los Angeles. There was just music everywhere. And, and so the success to me was I could pay rent. And that came quickly. You know, there was just so much work. And, uh, you know, one gig led to another, led to another. And then, you know, mid-90s, I hooked up with Slash when he was on break from Guns, uh, you know. And he started putting together a project called Slash's Blues Ball, where we just did covers. It was only supposed to be one gig. But we had so much fun that he turned into tours, you know, while he was waiting for you know, the guns guys to get it together. So that's how that came about. So it took about four or five years of, of landing in LA until, you know, I started doing bigger gigs. And, and did you find that the bigger, the opportunities, the bigger, obviously the temptations, was it the bigger, the, the band, the bigger, the bands, the more drugs, the more alcohol, the more availability. Correct. You know, the temp, you know, the the desire was there. I was, you know, I got I earned the nickname Blackout early on because <laughs> I, I was one of them that uh, I was going to do all the drugs. I was going to drink all the alcohol. I was going to be the last guy to leave. That was me always. Uh, so, yeah, you know, the bigger gigs, you know, just a lot of hangers on. A lot of people, you know, want to get in and, you know, a good way in is, hey, I got some drugs or, hey, let me buy you a drink or, you know. Right. And at that time, too, I mean, everybody around you, your your bandmates, whomever you're playing with, um, all probably part of that lifestyle as well. Because I know now, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, it's changed so much. You know, Correct. like people like Alice and Rob Halford and the people that I've interviewed in the past we're like now it's you know you open up your tour bus and people are pulling out weights and jump ropes. <laughs> they're not, you know they're they're not a, they're not running to the nearest bar anymore. It's a different lifestyle. It's a completely different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And thank God, I mean, look at Alice. I know, you know, still going. There's no way he could put on this show that he still puts on if he was getting fucked up. Absolutely. So, yeah. so you're in this world, um, you're riding high, pardon the pun, but you're doing it. Yeah. So what, what, 
looking back, and, and, and I know with a lot of the stories that with the interviews I do, people try rehab several times before something sticks. Um, so yeah. it, it's different for everybody. It's not, oh, it's a cookie cutter approach. What would, can you look back and think of like an exact time or circumstance when you just said, I'm out of control. I can't do this anymore. Or was it someone came to you? Well, uh, it's tough. Uh, you know, all, all the people you mentioned that I played with, I've lost more gigs than I've gotten because of my addiction. Mm. <laughs> uh, so there was, I mean, I could, there was a, I would say, you know, to my 20s and my 30s, you know, it was still fun. You know, I'm not going to lie. I still had a good time, but I was starting, there was starting to be consequences to my behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, you know, the, the industry was changing. The, the people I played with were getting sober or dying, you know, and it just, it was becoming more of a business. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I ended up homeless at some point. So obviously then I knew I had a, a problem, but I knew I had a problem for a while. Like you're in denial and you think, you know, if I could, you know, I'll just keep it, you know, I won't go out because the way I want to get messed up, people frown upon. So I'll just do it at home. But physically you start looking terrible. You started playing terrible and, you know, once I started losing gigs, I knew eventually I was going to have to do something. Uh, but that was still 10 years away from actually doing something. And, and it wasn't by choice. It was, you know, people I'd played with and, and true friends that came together and and got me into rehab. You know, I, I knew I needed to go. I just didn't know how to get. Right. And I, you, when you said you looked terrible, you played, I saw the, the picture you recently posted on your Facebook page of the before and after, and boy, it's yeah. really, really mind blowing. You don't look like the same person. Yeah. And I that, mean, that's not, really right not, there. Not. That's really it. And if you people listening out there haven't seen this, you need to go to, to Johnny's page yeah. and see that because <laughs> that really floored me as well. When I saw that. Yeah. And it's not just the obvious physical difference, right? But it's, it's the, the face. It's just, the, there's no life in the before picture. It's it's just pain and hurt and and somebody that's just lost. Yeah, and it really shows. It really does yeah. show. So you had friends that came to you, uh, and then did you attempt rehab prior to finding success with the help of Music Cares? And talk a little bit. Of, talk a little bit about that because Music Cares seems to have been pivotal in your transformation. Yeah. So, uh, I had not tried rehab, you know, I, I kept getting further and further away from everybody thinking that was, you know, again, I didn't know how to quit. I knew I had to quit, but I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And so I was isolating. I was stepping away from people and uh, Walter, I was up with Walter and he's also a guy that's in recovery gave me chance after chance. And I was white knuckling it on those tours because he doesn't allow drinking on his tour. Uh, but when you don't know what you're doing and you're holding on for dear life, you're going to slip up. And, and it, you know, um, we were in England and I got really drunk during the day. I couldn't play the show. So he sent me home. And I got home. And at that point, 
nobody was going to hide. So basically, I just was going to drink myself to death, and that was it. And uh, actually, my mother was trying to get a hold of me, and she couldn't. So she reached out to some of my old bandmates from Snake Pit that she had some contact info for, like email or something. And the drummer, Matt, went looking for me and found me. Oh and so unbe unbeknownst to me, he called the people that he knew, the Splashes and some other friends. And that's, they all said, you got to reach out to music here. So it's thanks to him that this all came together. Is that Matt Sorum? Matt Logs. Matt Logs, okay. Yeah. Wow. I was going to ask you about your mother when you brought that up, but, you know, she's back where, you know, back in the hometown, and how did yeah. it, it, because people don't understand, I, I learned this with my son, um, the addict always thinks it's, you don't understand what I'm going through. But the parents, the sisters, the siblings are feeling the same yeah. pain in, at just a different level. How did that impact you when your mother was trying to get a hold of you and, and, and was obviously very worried about your well-being? Correct. I mean, because, again, you saw that photo. It's clear that I'm not well. Mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, and we, at that point, didn't have that much contact because of my using and, and, and stuff. And uh, because I didn't want to be reminded and I wanted, I didn't want to disappoint her. So the only time I really reached out was when I had some sob story that my, my basis got stolen and I needed to buy one or, you know, I needed money for drugs. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I would reach out. And, you know, always the victim, you know, mm -hmm. poor me, poor me. And, you know, if people only knew, uh, so, it was tough because she, you know, she doesn't have the problem. My dad did, and mm. he died of the, it was alcohol related accident uh, that he passed away many many years ago. Uh, so she doesn't understand the. Well, if you want to quit, then quit. Right, right, and and no. people don't realize, and it's specifically with alcohol, because that was where. Sadly, I got most of my um, education through what I went through with my son. Um, is I mean, he physically could not quit. Yeah. He he had to drink to survive. He wasn't drinking to get loaded. And I think there's right. a misconception. I hear a lot of people talk about, oh, alcoholism's a choice. In some cases, it might be, but what people don't realize, it's a disease. Um, it's one hundred percent. And I will tell you, there's a lot of people in the industry not in the music industry, but in the recovery industry. Um, and I've heard, because I've listened about everything I possibly could when I was going through this with him, about, oh, you know, it's a choice. And I'm like, I'm not seeing that here. And it's really important for people who, who are listening to this who think it is a choice. It's not a choice. Um, it's not. It's, one and, of the, it's the number one killer. Alice told me it's the number one killer in the world. And and it's not a choice, and it's a physical addiction. So, did your mother um, did she buy into what you were saying, or do you think she had your number? She knew. She knew. But, but again, she knew. But as you know, I, I talk to a lot of lot of mothers now, and, and you know, I tell them you got to cut them off because right, it's not. You either you know, like they say, either going to help them get well, or you're going to help them 
killed himself. Mm-hmm. And and she 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 knew, but like most mothers, they want to help. They just don't know how. So oh, know if that. he needs money, let me give him some money. Right. You know, it's tough. And, uh, it's so hard. You it's, know, it's your child, and you know. Yeah, but, right. and, but I went through that too of tough love. Enabling, tough love, enabling, tough love. Enabling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a course. it's a real challenge for people around the person who's suffering from it, and uh, yeah, it's and we, and we're so good at, at you know making you feel guilty for not helping, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and we know what strength to tug on. You know, we didn't get that way overnight. This is behavior and manipulation style that you learn over many years. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. And now, you know, we are closer than we've ever been through my addiction and my recovery. She's now been able to forgive my father. Well, that's because, that is so amazing. Because she goes, maybe he meant when he said he wanted to quit. And he was like you. I said, 100% he meant it. And he just couldn't. Wow. Did you have siblings? I did have a sister that unfortunately passed away 2000 from cancer. Oh, bless her. Uh, and, and she did not have the gene, which I did. Right. Wow. So your mother, your mother had to go through a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Bless yeah. her heart. So th- yeah. your, your relationship so, is restored now. And yeah. And you know, it was, and she got to really tell me <laughs> what I did to her, which it's horrible and heartbreaking to listen to, but important. Absolutely. That's why I tell, you know, people that are just starting, you know, maybe going to meetings and stuff, go to an Al-Anon meeting. Listen to what our behavior does to family and friends. Right. I did those as well. Right. Yeah. It's really, really something. So Music Cares, um, I'm obviously very yeah. familiar, wonderful organization. Uh, if you yes. have and people listening, if you haven't... Uh, Please check it out. They're um, amazing. But I was really, um, really excited to see that they were involved in helping you get your way back. Talk a little bit about what they do, and because we're going to refer to it later when we talk about your brand, how do they yeah. help? How do they help musicians get through recovery and addiction? Well, uh, you know, again, my, my friends, and I think Slash spearheaded it because he had helped some other people through music cares. So he reached out to Harold at the time, who's one of the head guys over at Music Cares. And basically, you know, they pay for your rehab. They pay for your recovery. Uh, And it's not just that, but it's a big part. They have several divisions. I mean, obviously, when I got out of rehab and stuff, I didn't have a gig. You know, and and, and I wasn't going to look for a gig because if I wasn't going to get sober, I was going to die. So gig didn't matter. So, um, you know, a friend of mine gave me a construction job and that's what I did. But until I was able to start working, they paid for my rent. That's amazing. So, yeah. So it's hugely, hugely important. And it's not just players, you know, as you can imagine, you know, during the pandemic player can do remote sessions, but what about the crew? They're not, can't just set up a stage in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. For no reason. So it's not just musicians, it's everybody in our industry that they help out. I know, and I've read a lot about them during the pandemic because 
all these crew members, stage hands, people that tour, uh, all the roadies, everyone's struggling to survive. Right. Yeah. Which also doesn't help with those that we're possibly using because of it, as we know, all of the, you know, the all of the addiction rates went up, all of the suicide rates went up. I mean, sure. you can look at the statistics of what that did to the industry beyond just unemployed people. Um, it, yeah. it was unbelievable. And those that could afford to pay their people during that time, God bless them, but not a lot of them had right. that. Uh, not, not a lot. Not a lot. So how long was your recovery once Music Care stepped in? How long before you felt like I can get back out there and and I can be a you know a functioning adult, a functioning musician? I can. Really, <laughs> I mean, still working. Still but, working on that one. <laughs> aren't we both all functioning, both functioning part and the adult part? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Don't ever uh, grow uh, up. That's why they say that. Yeah, correct. Actually, a friend of mine said that yesterday. He just said, "Don't grow up." Yeah, but were you? Saying, a, but were you part of it? You were afraid to go back into that world because of the temptations that are there. I was pretty confident. This sounds weird. I have a great sponsor. I work my program rigorously. I did exactly what they told me because I just I've known again. I wanted to stop. I just didn't know how, and here I was getting help. So I was in a hundred percent. There was nothing in me that wanted to maybe use a little. I was done. I was one hundred percent done. Uh, now there were tools that I needed. So within that year, I talked to my sponsor. No music, no touring, no nothing. Just work a program, go to work every day. You know, be responsible. Uh, so, but. Eight, nine months in, I had to look, seek Walter Trout out and, and do some financial repairing that I owed him for some destroyed hotel rooms that I flooded and stuff while drinking. So he could see that there was a difference. And he said, if and when you're ready and you want to go out, give me a call. Wow. And oh. uh, I said, you know, give me a year. I want to get a year and then we'll talk again. Yeah. You know, and he, and, and how long has he been sober? How long had prior to you? Oh, I think he's got 30 oh, plus wow. years. I think he, he got sober 88, I think 87, 88, That's somewhere fabulous. around there. And, uh, so God bless him. Cause you know, now I get to prove, you know, now I've been back a few years that I can do. Well, and you so know, you just, that's wonderful. And you just talked about something I wanted to ask you. You, you had said the Al-Anon, uh, what's different. What we had just said is it's important that people understand that different treatments work for different people, weekly meetings, the need uh, for a sponsor. Yep. Alice never did any of that. He quit cold yep. Turkey and that was it for him. Um, he became a Christian. Um, he always says, I don't have a sponsor. I have a savior. Um, uh-huh. that's what changed his life. Um, but then people like Rob Halford said, Oh, the meetings were essential for me. Um, but yeah. he also said, do what works for you. Um, and what advice do you give to people when you said you knew you wanted to get well, but you just didn't know how, um, what, what would you recommend to people who are struggling to make that change? What were, well, uh, what types of things would you recommend? I recommend, talking to somebody that's done it 
find somebody where you go, wow, he looks happy or he, he looks like he, he's got it. You know, somebody that has something that you want and see how they did. You know, don't not try something because, you know, it has the word God in it or something. You know, some people are turned off right. to AA because, because of that. Right. You know, if, if, if you're not going to better yourself or give yourself a chance because of one word, then, wow, you might be screwed. Uh, so I have so many friends like Alice that didn't go through the program, but I needed the program. I needed a community. I needed, I mean, I went to a 7 a.m. meeting every day in the community and, and feeling part of something that was good for once instead of, you know, these junkies on the street I was hanging out with was ultra important because for me, it wasn't just not drinking or using. I had so many defects and I was so insecure about everything. I had a lot of stuff to work on. And so, yeah, the program for me is what worked. It's interesting when you mentioned that you were masking a lot of shyness. Um, Mark Kendall from Great White, who was one of our guests, that was what he said was his biggest trigger, is that yeah. he was extremely shy as a child, extremely shy to go on stage, which is one of the reasons he started to drink, because it took that away. Yeah. Um, but it, it stemmed from being shy as a child, and you're, now you just said that. So it's got to be, and people think, oh, you just start drinking because you're partying, and there's nothing. You're really covering something up, aren't you? Yeah, usually. Usually. And, and Yeah. Uh, you know, we're all insecure. And, and, I mean, for me, you know, when I started drinking at a very, very young age, when I had my first few drinks and I got, you know, hammered, I knew I, I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't drinking like my friends. I wanted more and more and more. I want to get more messed up. And, and you know, just, it was, you know, liquid courage for me mm-hmm. to do anything, you know, to talk to people, to, you know, just go out, just be a part of something. I was just like him, probably extremely insecure and shy. So did you find that you had to drink before you performed every time? Was it necessary for you to do that? It was. Yeah. So otherwise it was, and a part of that is the shyness, but also at this point you're falling into the traps of the addiction. Correct. Yeah, right. And, and I remember, yeah, I remember when somebody said, so how often do you drink? Well, I, I only drink when I play, but at that time I was playing every day, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but that's how I, I was justifying it. I'll only do it when I play. Right, it's always um, some. There's always everything has an, an excuse to drink. There's yeah. always always finding an excuse. So, as we all have noted, you've played with some of the greatest names in rock and roll. What's it like today performing sober? Oh, it's better than ever. You're present. You, uh, you know, all that <laughs> courage and whatever you think you had when you listen back to stuff. It's usually not that great, but that, but to perform now with intent and purpose is completely different. And, and, and like I remember, we were we we're doing some show. It was a Slash and Friends, and it was me, Slash, and, and Jason Bonham, all sober guys, and we sounded so good. We looked at each other and we're like, we should have gotten sober a long time ago. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a good thing to discover. Yeah. 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 Rob Halford said the first time, he said he used to always have to have his drinks, slam a huge beer and some gin or something before he went out. And he said the first time he played sober, he said it was the most overwhelming sense of peace that he had ever felt. And he just said, I couldn't believe how, how it transformed me. And I, I thought he was terrified to go out because it was his first time uh-huh. without, put, without indulging in something. And he said, I can't even tell you what a transformation it was for me creatively. Do you feel that way as well? 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I feel I, 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 I get better now. Each, each year or each tour, I get better. You know, I'm much freer now than I ever was before. And I realized I didn't need it. It was already in there. You know, if it's there when you drink, then it's there without it. You just got to find a different way to access it. That's amazing. And especially creatively, you can grow as well because you're not stifled by it. Yeah, because when you're, you know, inebriated or, you know, under the influence, all you're doing is just getting through it. You're not really adding anything. You're not present. You're just getting through it. Right. And as we talked earlier about, it seems today now, bands like yours, Walter Trout, Slash, uh, Edgar Winter, all these uh, people, Alice, um, Rob Halford, Ace Freely, a lot of these people that we've worked with, um, all of them are saying the same thing, that it's almost not cool to be this way now in a band. Whereas when the young bands, the young bands come and they're all, let's party and let's drink. That's all it was about. And now it's about no, no, you know, sober, sober is cool. Yeah. Sober is cool. Sober is cool. And it's, it's much more business now. It's, you know, it's run by corporation. It's a lot of money behind these tours. They don't have time for somebody that can't keep it together. It's just, you know, and, and all of us, who knew, we've probably grown up a little as well, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely not cool. And uh, I could see it when we're on, you know, festivals and stuff where somebody pops open a drink or pours something a little too heavy. People start looking around. People notice. I was wondering, when you tour with the younger bands, do you see this happening where you still have those that think it's still cool, but... For the most part, sure. I think they, they look up and respect musicians like you with your history, your storied history, and also the level of uh, people that you play with. Um, yeah. They want to be like that, preach. I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I, how yeah. does that work? What do you do when you see that happening? Yeah. I, uh, usually, you know, I let them come to me. You know, lead by example. Exactly. You know, and, and that's the biggest thing. You know, I don't want to be preachy to anybody or force my story or my recovery to or upon anybody so just you know by example usually people come up hey you know i noticed you don't drink you never drink and then that's your opening and i was then, wondering do they people, do if they talk to you if, if young musicians they do they yeah, do not all of them you yeah. know and, and everybody has their journey and, and you know, if, if they want to drink, there's nothing you can do to stop it. But you don't have to help everybody. Right. You know, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you stop and don't try just because you can't help everybody. 
But it is leading so, by example because when they see people like you and people like Alice and people like Rob, you would think they would aspire to think, wow, look at him. And he's he's completely sober. Yeah. That's amazing. So that's, And it's almost one of those, the best thing is to not look sober because in their mind, sober is boring or whatever. Right. You definitely can't say that Alice and Rob Halford are boring. You know, I mean, talk about, talk about, I mean, Rob Halford and Alice, they've never been better. Oh, I know. It's incredible. Yeah. You know, and it's not by chance. You know, they're no. finally, they're performing at their full potential, not di- not diminished by chemicals. No, oh, exactly. And part of being sober also is stay and staying that way. What we, what we're kind of transitioning to is, is paying it forward, helping fellow addicts get there. Like you just said, being willing to talk to them when they come to you, not preaching at them. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Unchained Brands. Let's talk about how that sure. started. And I know that it started with a very simple three ring design uh, yeah. that you created. Uh, and I know the core values are courage, community, and compassion. This is such a wonderful Correct. brand. Um, let's oh, t- talk about, t- t- I just, I'm, I really am impressed by what you're doing. Let's talk about what that is, how you started it, and where you're at now with that. Uh, so it started, I was doing a session in LA for this guy, James Piacentino from the East Coast. He had hired me to play. And, uh, you know, during the breaks or, you know, when they were getting the, the, the studio stuff together, he would ask me questions. We were talking. We got along great. And he was asking me about this chain. You know, did I make it myself? And if the rings had meaning? And and when I originally made it, it, it just was a chain. But as I got sober, it did have meaning to me. And so we talked about that. And he told me his story that he was not an alcoholic, but his dad was. So his life was affected by alcoholism or addiction. And so we started talking about addiction as a thing and there were opposite ends of it and, uh, and how interesting that was. And again, you know, through me, he gained some insight into his father. Mm. A couple of months later, he reached out to me because he's a smart guy and he's always full of ideas about you know, hey, how about we start a company that gives back? And that just rang so true to me. It's something that I wanted to do. You know, how can I help music or help somebody else? I'm not a millionaire. You know, but if if there was a way where I could give back, I would love to do that. And so it was his idea in reaching out to me. Let's, you know based upon this three ring design, start with making some chains, some t-shirts and stuff and start bringing awareness and your story will inspire others to maybe seek help. And, and in the meantime, we can, you know, raise some funds for music. And so that's how we got started. And that's still basically what we're doing. Uh, You know, the big, the greatest part for me is, you know, not daily, but a few times a week, somebody will reach out that's ready to give it a shot. And that's the most rewarding part of all of this for me. 
is talking to those people. And uh, right now, there's been some new partnerships that have popped up for Unchained that's taken us into some surprising, very exciting new directions. It's a little too soon to talk about, but, you know, we're open for anything and great stuff is coming up. Well, and you have, um, and your, is your website on chainbrands.com? Correct. Uh, and I encourage everyone to check this out because it's amazing. Not only is it really cool, uh, but you also now have shirts. I see you're expanding we your do. merchandise. Yeah. And so we're not, you know, we're not a, a apparel company per se. You know, it's correct. just a way to bring in funds. It's more bringing awareness and, and directing people to music here. For now, there's some new stuff coming up, like I said, that, that's, you know, we'll announce shortly. Right. And I see that Nita, uh, Nita Strauss is on your website. Yeah. Alice's, yeah. Alice's guitar, which I say former for now, uh, yeah, but, for but now. probably yeah. coming back. Um, I was really, really happily surprised to see her on there. Uh, she has yeah. a, also a tremendous story of recovery. Um, and, and I love the musicians that are promoting it. Um, how can someone get involved? Is it just, I know you promote it through purchasing the items. And, and, yeah. and you, as you said, a portion of the proceeds go to Music Cares, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah. Do you take this um, cause out on the road? Do you take it? How do you market it? <sighs> You know, we both have day jobs, so to speak. So, sure. you know, you know we, we don't put our full attention into this as we can't because we've got to pay rent. Right. Uh, but, you know, we have Ryan Roxy, who's uh, oh, sure. uh, Alice's guitar player or one of three. Mm-hmm. He, he's been a super supporter of what we're doing. You know, he wears the necklace. He talks about it. And he... Uh, hooked us up with his media team. So they're doing the promotion for us. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. That's great. So it all ties back to Alice somehow. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps showing up everywhere. Yeah, I know. It, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and so what are your goals for the brand? And I know you have things happening. Um, how would you like to see this go forward? What would you like to see evolve uh, in terms of reaching young people, especially addicted? addicts not not just musicians but but these are the these yeah, are the, no, these are the people that look up to you they come to your shows um there's just so much great ministry going on out there even yeah. at, even at shows like brian head welsh of corn actually goes out into the audience and prays over people and he, uh, he shows his faith and he shows and he's got uh, a couple brands he's working with where they donate and you know he's got books he's written, you know, any way you can pay it forward, what would you like to see evolve? Correct. Well, you know, m- more more joint uh, ventures with other brands that mm-hmm. are in the same, with the same goals. Uh, you know, just slowly building and getting bigger, bringing awareness, uh, you know, and just teaching people, showing people that it's possible. You know, not, not, you know small things. We're not looking to become, you know, the biggest thing around. Just, you know, like head, you know, head does, you know, just mm-hmm. talk to people. And I mean, Walt is very generous where he lets me sell some stuff at the merch table, which always brings awareness to what we're doing because people start asking and one person tells the next. The next right. time we come back, 
there's 10 people wearing unchanged shirts and people started asking, what is that? Mm-hmm. That's and so, yeah, nothing, you know, major to small things. Yeah, and I was wondering if you made it available at merch tables, because that's so important yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. And obviously you're very approachable. Do. And you're, do you find that you have fans that reach out to you on social media and want to know very what's going on so. in your story? Um, it, it just seems like you have a lot of people who just love and support what you've done and how you've changed. You are a vegan. I am. You are. And what, what other lifestyle changes? I love how, I mean, you look like a different person physically. <laughs> and I know a lot of that's the, the, the uh, fact that you're sober now, but talk about how important the health side yeah. of this is as well, because clearly that's helped you. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, you know, I was a heavy smoker, you know, all that stuff. I don't smoke anymore. Um, when I was in detox, my liver was so enlarged uh, that they were shocked I was even walking. It was mm. like six times the size of a regular liver. It looked like I was carrying a small child on my side. And so they sat down with me and said, you know, you really need to change everything. The way you eat, everything. You obviously can't have another drink because the next drink might actually kill you. Right. So that's when I decided, okay, let me obviously stop drinking and let me change my diet a little. Just greens and fish. That was going to be my thing. And and the chefs in the rehab were so kind. And, you know, they made special portions of food for me, you know, with fish and salads and stuff. And that's how we got started. And I did that for a year. Six months into my sobriety, I went to another checkup and they were shocked how much my body had changed. And, and you know, all the tests we were doing, everything that showed up was looking great. And so they go, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And so that's what I did. I just then took the fish out and, just became full vegan and uh, yeah, started exercising, you know, small steps, anything you try or anything you do, make it so it's doable. So it's not a chore. It doesn't change too much of what you're already doing because then it's impossible to stick with. Well, that and, is so uh, important too with recovery is, you know, yeah. and, and it really gives meaning to the one day at a time cliche, but it's so true. One hundred percent. One day at a time. I mean, Rob gets up yeah. in the morning. He said every morning I, I get up and he's sober 30 something years now. And he said, I still get up and say, thank God I'm not, I didn't, I'm not drinking today. Yeah. One day yeah. today, I'm not going to drink. Yeah. And people think they feel like that's so trite, but it really isn't because when you're that, well, when you're, when you've gone over the hill like that, you've gotten, gotten through a serious addiction. That's that. There's a lot of weight with that. Uh, I just saw a post. I just saw a post the other day. In fact, I put it up on my my side, and it said, um, "If you want to know what it feels like to be an addict, set your cell phone down, and don't use it, and, do, and don't use it. And every time you look at it, that's how it feels. Yeah, the temptation just to and pick up. And you know, with cell phones, even it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's one of those. I think Rob does it right. That's how it works for me. If I forget, or if I take my focus off the ball, so to speak, mm-hmm. there's a chance I might fall back again. You know, I'm under no illusion that I'm healed. 
You know, right. it's a constant everyday reprieve of stuff that works. You know, if it works, don't stop doing it. That's I think that's a big mistake that people do. Well, you know, I feel good now, so I don't need to do the work anymore. Not realizing you feel good because you're doing the work. Wow, that is so true. That that is so true because they feel like okay, I'm I'm like you said, you're never really healed. No, um, you're always going to have the addiction strain, if you will. You're, you're an addict, or what are you going to be addicted to now? <laughs> Music, golf, food, whatever it is. Yeah, yep. yep. I mean that that's what. So if I if you had to to for the for those that are listening, the moms, the dads, the people going through this. Um, what would be, if you, you had one message you could send out to the audience, what would it be about this? What is your biggest takeaway? Uh, I know that's a loaded question, you, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely because, again, I, I mean, I want to give this glorious answer, but for people that are struggling, you know, just tell somebody. And for people that see somebody struggling, you know, reach out, even if you've already reached out 10 hundred times the next one might be the one you know people did it to me and i wasn't ready i wasn't ready i didn't want to do it until one day i was ready and thank god that there were few people that hadn't given up you know because so many people just you know you're, they're so beat down and, and you know nobody's going to help them and it, i've destroyed every relationship you haven't reach out people are willing to help you I think that's the biggest thing because I didn't do it. I didn't reach out to anybody. But thank and God I wish they I reached had. out to you, which is wonderful. Correct. Which is yeah, wonderful. And I so, wish I had. So tell me what you're doing now. And before we close out, you're getting ready to go back on tour. Tell us what's in the future yeah, for you. Uh, well, you know, there's a few new projects coming up next year. I'm still playing with Walter, obviously. So we're going out on a, mega tour here you know eight weeks in europe and then uh, yeah and then you know a few new exciting ventures with unchained in between tours and my life is pretty simple i get up i i go i walk i work out i you know reach out to people i practice still every day and, and that's it keeping it simple that's how it works for me well that makes so much sense and Again, yeah. if for those of you listening, I highly recommend you check out Music Cares as well as Unchained Brands. Um, we thank you so much for your time, your talent. Oh, and, thank oh you. Oh, my goodness, and especially your testimony and the impact that obviously you're making in the lives of people struggling with addiction, especially oh, yeah. on the road. It's, it's amazing how many of you – that's the whole reason I started this podcast after I lost my son is I knew so many of these musicians and you all – were so inspiring to me. And it's like, wouldn't it be great to have all oh. these stories in one place? Because That's amazing. I, I love it. it you know, I listened to, you know, some of the episodes and they're so inspiring. And, and thank, thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm thank really you. I'm honored that you're on. And, and uh, best of luck to you on your tour. Please stay in thank touch you. with us. We'll be following Unchained Brands and uh, anything we can do to promote that you let us know. Um, I think you. it's amazing. Absolutely. I will make and thank you all for listening. And as always, I close the show with a saying that inspired me uh, through my son's journey is, and I know we all can relate at any level, the pain that you feel today is the strength you're going to feel tomorrow. 
Uh, we're not saying it's going to be easy, but we're saying it will be worth it. And for that, thank you, Johnny, so much. Thank you and again. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we will say peace out. Thanks for listening to Rock Recovery with Jane Gordon. Join us here each week as we talk with a star-studded lineup of rock musicians, performance artists, and the ones who love them as they share their unique and memorable journeys through addiction. Join us again next week right here or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Mm.